Hi, I'm Dave Baker. We're here at Meltdown Comics in Hollywood, California, and this is It's Pronounced Zine. On today's show, we're going to be talking with Lady Beaver, who's a good friend of mine, and we're going to be talking about comics and uh, zines and all kinds of all kinds of good stuff, namely polyamory, tabling at conventions, and uh, the proper way to uh, paint a mural. I think we talk about that in this episode. Anyway, uh, you can find her work at LadyBeaver.com. Uh, let's get into the episode. Here comes Dave Baker with the show. Talking about paper publications you should know. Authors and photographers that are fresh on the scene. Don't be getting twisted. Twisted. It's pronounced Z. Zing, zing, zing. 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 came up with Lady Beaver because um, I needed an art alias. Why did why you need an art alias? Just because so, you wanted one? Well, no. I was teaching kids. Oh. You know, I'm going to put this on. Do not disturb also. I was teaching kids, and I went to my principal and told him I had – I confided in my principal, and I said, I have some art that is inappropriate for children, and I'm concerned about it because my website was my name at the time. Right. I said, if they Google me, it's going to come up, and uh, these parents might be upset about it. Right, right. And um, the next day, I get a call from HR telling me I have to take down my personal art website. <laughs> and, like, this website, I had worked on it for years. Like, I right. started making it when I was in grad school, and I was very proud of it, you know? And it just killed me, and I felt like my identity as an artist was being squashed, that, like, my only identity I was allowed to be was this teacher figure, which was, like, all fake and, yeah, like, yeah. plastic, you know? Uh-huh. And so um, that's when I realized I had to come up with an art alias. Well, one of the series that I did in graduate school is called The Beaver Monologues, after mm-hmm. the Vagina Monologues. Sure. And it has these cartoon beavers. You may have seen them. There's, mm-hmm. like, one getting its stomach shaped yeah, with yeah, razor. I've, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, so my friend, after I had that body of work, actually saved my phone number in his phone. My name is Beaver. Mm. And so I called him and was talking to him, what should my artist name be? And he laughed. He's like, I already know what your artist name is. He's like, it's what you are on my phone. You're Beaver. Mm. And I thought that was so funny. But, you know, it's very crass and dirty. So I added lady so you have the nice balance. (laughs) Like, oh, I'm dirty, but I'm still a lady. It's funny, though, because it's it's almost innocuous. Like, it's almost not offensive like beaver is one of those weird slang terms that's almost it's cute it's, yeah i mean like cause, well, honestly because i don't i don't know what i would expect from someone named lady beaver but i don't know if it would be the the outward presenting appearance that is you and so at the when i first like saw the name i didn't know it was you and i wasn't i didn't i don't know because it i wasn't sure if it was a joke or if it was like i'm a female beaver like an animal you know what I mean? Right, right. Uh, it's super funny, though, that it's exactly what I originally thought it was. Right. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, that's not, no, that's not what she, well, oh, nope, yeah, it is. It's yeah. exactly what it is. <laughs> I love telling people to who are confused. It's like, I say Lady Beaver as in Lady Vagina. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So how does that work legally, then, if you're a teacher and the idea behind that being you don't want kids theoretically to be exposed to whatever right? an image that is less than right quote it's, unquote family friendly How, it's just does, a challenge to keep them separate you know it's yeah. like i have an alter ego do you have to like literally uh not 
tell anybody about your like personal stuff on there so it's like just your business stuff like you never sh- you show your face all the time on there though on right. like your instagram yeah so it's not is it really separation? my instagram name is lady beaver also no but i know it is but what i'm saying is that if a student were to stumble across that they would know it's you because your face is on there so wouldn't I'm talking about like from a school oh, point of view. Oh, if they find it, yeah. Oh, then I'm screwed. Yeah. Oh, so it's you're still screwed either way. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had no idea it worked that way. Yeah, it, and you know, for for the first few years of teaching, even while I was getting my teaching credential, it was in the back of my mind. They had us read this like teacher handbook too, and I was getting my credential. That was. You know, uh, talked about different ways that teachers had been fired in the past. And one was uh, this one woman who was a swinger. And she went to a swingers club. And one of the parents of the kids were at the swingers club. And she got fired. <gasps> why would she? Why? That's fucked up, though. It is fucked up. There's so many things about teaching and about schools that are fucked up. Oh, my God. I could go on a huge rant about how yeah. schools are so fucked up. That's so <laughs> fucked. Like, what that person does behind their fucking closed doors or in a club, <laughs> right. is their pro- fucking prerogative. Yeah. Like, that doesn't impact their ability to teach your kids pre-calculus. Yeah, and my, my principal, who did end up firing me... Um, because of the art stuff? Basically. I mean, in a, nu- in a nutshell... Well, the official reason he gave me was uh, that my classroom management skills were not strong enough for such a difficult school culture. Is that but true? Was, Did you have problems well, with that? Or no? Yes. Okay. I was in a very, very difficult school in Oakland. And uh, the reason why I really got fired is because I did the Harlem Shake with my students. What? And I let them video. Other teachers were doing it too at my school. And we did it as a staff also. It was like a huge thing. Like, you know, everyone was doing the Harlem Shake. The, yeah. It was super popular. The problem was I let my kids videotape it as why part does, of the why experience. Why does that make a difference an eighth grader threw a chair he uploaded it on youtube tagged the name of our school and a parent saw it and Mm. brought it to the attention of the principal and so the principal said i tarnished the reputation of the school i damaged my relationship to the parents and the students and he would not let it go like I had to do so many restorative meetings that, like, really nobody cared. Yeah. This is – except him. Like, he cared. You know, the yeah. video was taken down. The kid got punished or whatever. But it really was dragged out for me. And he harassed me after that. I had to file a complaint no. against him to HR. That's awful. And it was just a matter of time before. I mean, he let me go. It was the last day of school. Sure, and then but it was still, like – Oh, well, no, the last day of school, he pulled me in his office. And oh, really? Me. Yeah, the woman from HR who I'd complained to was there. And I thought we were going to have, like, a restorative meeting, mm-hmm. but it was them firing me. Damn. And he, What was the context of the chair being thrown, though? Was that them? You guys were all dancing, and you just got really into it, and he was like, yeah! Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't throw it at anyone. He just threw a chair. And okay, I, but and it wasn't like you were doing the Harlem Shake at him aggressively, and then he like got pissed and threw a chair at you or something. No. Okay. No, it wasn't at anyone. It you know people were throwing papers. It's like part of the Harlem yeah, yeah, Shake. Sure. But he shouldn't have thrown a chair. And I did stop the class. I said, okay, you guys lost the privilege to do the Harlem Shake <laughs> because you're throwing chairs. That's not okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I made them clean up the classroom. So, but of course you don't see that on the video. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, so, 
Yeah. And then, you know, getting fired was kind of the best thing that ever happened to me at that time because I had committed myself to being at that job. It was a 6 through 12 school, mm-hmm. and my advisory kids were going to grow with me every year. I was going to have them until they graduated. So I had said, I'm going to be at the school for seven years. You're until going to be my the Mr. Feeney to these kids. Yeah, exactly. But I got fired after my second year there. And it was, you know, that job was really the hardest job I've ever had in my life. And so it was very liberating. And coincidentally, the day after I got fired, my friend in Sacramento said, I want you to come to Sacramento and do this art residency. The city of Sacramento gave me an old Hyundai dealership in the mall in the downtown plaza. And we have six months or eight months left on the lease, I think, at that point. So I was supposed to just go actually for a week. But I think my second day there, he was like, yeah, I want you to move to Sacramento and be a permanent artist in this space. And I did. I was just like, I have nothing in Oakland that's tying me to there. Like, I don't have a boyfriend there. I don't have a dog. I don't have anything. So and if I, anything, the rents in Sacramento are cheaper. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was super cheap. Because I, I lived with one of the other resident artists also, and he owned the house. His rich parents actually owned the house. So <laughs> What's up? Yeah. I think I was paying $450 a month. Dude. Yeah. It was amazing. What? And and I was living off my unemployment money, and that's the first time that's ever happened to me. And so my whole life was just paid for. It was like a year of paradise. It's like being on unemployment is the best thing you could ever <laughs> hope to to strive for in life. It's so cool. What uh, what what's, what stuff did you make while you were in that residency? What kind of work um, were you doing? Well, first of all, Lady Beaver was printed really big on the wall okay. along with everyone else's names, which I thought was so funny. It just yeah. cracked me up. My studio, you could see my studio from the outside. So when you're walking by, it was all glass windows. We were next to Forever 21. Fuck Right yes. next to her. Yeah. So you could see actually inside my Let's studio. Let's go get and some jeggings and yeah. then check out some art, I guess. Yeah, and we had gallery shows there. We had parties all the time. We had one guy, um, Trey Borden, who was our PR person, and he got us all these sponsorships. So we, all, we always had all this free beer. Like Newcastle sponsored us for a Halloween party. And we had enough beer from Halloween to last us all the way until the residency ended uh, at the end of February. And there was still tons of beer. It was crazy. Um, Was this like real world? Was it just like everybody's hooking up with everybody? There's like beer everywhere and then people are like drawing on the walls? Like that's what I picture. It kind of was like that. Yeah, people didn't draw on the walls. Danny one time of Tapegami got really mad and threw a mallet or something at the wall and made a big hole and then someone tagged the wall and wrote a note where the mallet had gone through or something. Um... But yeah, there was definitely drama. Oh, so much drama. It was it was definitely like real world. It, you know, it was taking, um, you know, five or six people who completely just such different people who would have probably never talked to each other other than having this space and sticking us in this in these close quarters, you know, and having us all work together. And um, it was it was so fun, but it was also crazy. And then also there were things happening with the building that were crazy, too, like the ceiling started leaking and it leaked all over Danny's. Uh, he builds these tape cities all out of okay. masking tape. There was one day where it started leaking on his tape no. city. And he was so pissed. And like, Was that the mallet day? No. I don't remember what that was even about. I wasn't there, luckily, at the time. That's when Jennifer was sleeping with Brad behind his back. <laughs> and he was like, fuck you, wall. Mallet. Oh, you know what? I think I remember. It was, it was almost like we were part of a divorced family, too, because... 
um, Danny and Trey were in a partnership at first. Danny or Trey, who was our PR person, he originally was promoting Tapagami. And they had a 50-50 split. Danny was actually splitting all of his Tapagami profits with Trey. And Trey's job was to promote him and book him for shows. Mm -hmm. So he wouldn't have to do any of that. Well, Trey maybe got a little lazy at times or just, like, got caught up in the party of it all, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And, And maybe at the same time... No one works harder than Danny. Danny has, like, the craziest work ethic out of anyone I've ever met. Mm-hmm. So, of course, no one's going to live up to Danny's expectations. I mean, Trey was still working, but not to the level where Danny wanted him to. I guess mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. what it was. I think that's what made Danny have a mental breakdown and mm-hmm. throw something through the wall. <laughs> <laughs> so much gossip from the Sacramento Art regi- uh, Residency of whatever this was five years ago. Uh, Exhibit S. It was three years ago now, actually. Um, and... Yeah, it was so amazing, though. So while I was there, I I did teach classes. I tried to have a big woodblock class, um, but I was the only one that actually finished my big – it was a four-by-eight-foot woodblock. So I was the only one that finished. There was one person who did, like, a smaller woodblock, and he did finish, and I helped him print it. Mm -hmm. Um, But I wanted to hire a steamroller to come and print all the blocks, which is something that happened at Pratt. There's an event called Big Damn Prints Mm -hmm. where they have a steamroller come print everyone's big blocks. Um, But so I I did that. I also taught other classes uh, for kids. Like I had drop-in classes. Kids and adults. It didn't matter. Anyone could come in and do them. I had some printmaking classes. I did teach tapagami sometimes (laughs) Um, and and drawing and painting stuff. Um, and was most of the so was most of the work you were doing then uh, it wasn't zine oriented at all. It was kind of more the fine I art. I still side drew of it, comics, or? but yeah, I was making I did a series. I had an art show called The Hole. Mm-hmm. And um, I had a series of I think it was 19 paintings. Okay. I had a bunch of 4 by 4 foot paintings I did, one 4 by 8 foot painting and then of course my 4 by 8 foot wood block that was featured. Um Five of the paintings were hand-painted and um, all had beaver themes in them. Uh, There were different beavers in all of them. Staying on brand. (laughs) Um, And then I discovered spray paint. I just went to Home Depot and bought a bunch of cheap spray paint. And I had so much fun. I had this really big backyard where I was living. And I did – I'd done a series of these spray-painted images. And I'd never worked with spray paint before. So if you've never worked with spray paint before and you start – it's almost like learning how to draw for the first time. You mm-hmm. feel like you're in kindergarten. Yeah, you're like, like what? Yeah, I was like, this is really hard. Why can't I get anything to turn out the way I want it? And I was, but it's su- also weirdly addictive too. Yeah, it's so addictive. It's so fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it could have been the fumes and everything. Oh yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Addictive in yeah. air quotes, which may or may not be just literally addictive. <laughs> but. Um, The amazing thing, like, you know, and this just happens with art. Like, when you're making art, you have these happy accidents, right? So I got so frustrated with these spray paintings, you know, and I was like, I hate them. They're so ugly. And I went out and I just decided to spray paint on top of one of my old spray paintings. And I spray painted a pussycat. Now, Mm -hmm. when I say pussycat, I mean a big pussy, but with a cat attached to it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Where was like, it attached? Is um, it like a vagina and then a cat under it? It's like a vagina and then like on a head of the cat. Like yes, it's just like the face. Yes. There's eyes on the sides uh-huh. but, and there's little pubes coming out of the vagina like so, little whiskers. So into it. And 
the way that it worked out was then it was almost like a little window into the picture I'd painted before that mm. you could see through the pussy. <laughs> and they were amazing. And I got so um, entranced by this new series. I did. I painted a ton of pussycats. I had like a little series of of I think I made 10 of them and most of them sold at the opening also really? yeah people really liked those pussy cats <laughs> how large were those cuz i'm picturing um, like giant paintings but they I, probably weren't no i had um i had four Four by four foot ones okay. that were spray painted. Wow. And then I did um, 10 eight by 10 hand painted ones. And the hand painted ones were so cool too because I actually went out and got like this furry fabric that kind of looked like pubes <laughs> and I glued it on to where the vagina part was. So it was like yeah. a touching piece too. Like I encouraged people to go up and touch it. And yeah, it was, yeah. It was That's just so it was good. so fun. That's so good. How did, you, uh, how did you start making comics and zines and stuff? So... It's interesting. I I wanted to draw comics. Uh, I, well, I did draw comics actually in high school. Actually, the first comics I ever drew was to make fun of this girl that I didn't like. And, of course, it was over a boy. Like, mm-hmm. we had had a falling out over a boy. And her name's Cassiopeia. We are Facebook friends now. Oh, snap. So when you post yeah. this, Cassiopeia is going to be like, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> and she has two kids now and stuff. And she's with that like, same dude, right? No, 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 no. Oh, I wound damn up, it. I wound up going out with that guy, and it wound up being like total bad news. He actually oh. wound up losing his mind on acid. Like, we were Whoa. together for a year and a half, and he lost his mind on acid. And, damn. Yeah. Like Roger Waters style, like, just crazy, oh, crazy totally, fucked up. Oh, totally, totally crazy. Like, I've been expecting you, and I'm the teacher, and you are the student. And then he dropped out of college and told everyone he was dying of cancer and had a tumor behind his right eye. And then, it, yeah, he was, went really, 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 was really the, crazy. Was the tumor actually there? No. He said he was getting rid of the cancer through negative karma, though, that for every good deed he did, a bit of the cancer was lifted. <laughs> and he didn't ever go to a doctor. He said he could feel the cancer in his body. And I believed it. I believed no, it. No, what? <laughs> Why would you believe that? Well, no, he didn't tell me that he diagnosed himself. I believed he had cancer when he first told me he had cancer. Well, of I course, because why would you not? Yeah, yeah. Why, of course. Somebody comes to you and says, hey, I have cancer. You think, oh, I, you went to the fucking doctor and you have cancer. Right. Not like, yeah. you're fuck off crazy. So basically I mourned his death for a month. And uh, then I talked to him again and found out that it, he was just insane. So, but... Um, Is that why you guys broke up? Because you were just like, oh, you're crazy. Bye. Oh, no. He broke up with me because he said I was an attachment to life. And in order to reach enlightenment, he had to break free of all attachments. Oh, my God. This guy <laughs> is the craziest human. I love this. And this is a comic that I want to make, too. This yeah. has been, like, on my to-do, to-do list for a long time. That's, like, my next big comic project is... That's so dope. Yeah. I want to do a project about my loss of innocence and just talk about all the sex and drugs stuff from high school and yeah, until yeah. I kind of realized my purpose as being an artist. It's right. kind of the end. But uh, And that was actually realized in part two by taking John Flynn's storytelling class at the Nerdist as oh, well. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, because um, you, uh, I'm not to cut you off, but you did. You took Jim Higgins' uh, class here at Meltdown, and is that how you kind of like fully got into comics? It was a, no, it was John John Flynn's storytelling class. Oh, that's it. Yeah, you did, that's oh, it. for some reason I thought you took uh, Jim Higgins' class too. No, um, Steve might have, and Steve's oh, my yeah, Steve. Steve Waldinger is yes. my connection to Melthology and okay. starting to do the Z night. He's the one who told me about it and got me on board. He, I had the storytelling class with him. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but anyway, going back to high school, so the guy who wound up going crazy on acid, I'd had a crush on him. My friend Casey made out with him anyway, even though that she knew. <laughs> Cassiopeia, 
Cassiopeia. Her nickname was Casey. Her so, legal name is Cassiopeia. Yes. And Wait, so, is it Cassiopeia? Isn't that how you pronounce the, yes, this constellation? She, yes. But, but she, she goes by Cassiopeia? Right. She didn't want people to wow. you know, call her Pia or whatever. <laughs> Not to talk shit about your friend, but fuck that person. <laughs> If your name is Cassiopeia, just embrace that shit. <laughs> just, it's Cassiopeia. And, and then her nickname was Casey. Okay. And so, okay, so then in my comics that I drew, her name was Assiopeia. Yes! And, and her nickname was Assie. Okay. And it was all about how her big ass always ruined everything. Because mm-hmm. she was very self-conscious about her big ass. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Well, now, providing context for me, is this a good... Big ass or just like weirdly large because that sounds like something that societally would be encouraged. Right. You know, the funny thing is, yes, in real life, I think guys really did love her big ass. But because she was so insecure about it, it was really easy to pick on. Gotcha. Gotcha. And we were in marching band together, total marching band nerds. And so I remember. I I hope you don't take this the wrong way, but I can totally see you as a marching (laughs) band nerd. Yeah, I played trumpet. Yep. And, um, yeah, a lot of the guys my age were jealous of me because I fit in really well with the the older kids. Mm, mm, you know, the mm-hmm. the older kids would adopt the younger ones as their freshmen. Sure. And so I was their freshman gotcha. and they like loved me and kind of babied me and I hung out with them and they were great, but then they all graduated and so everyone my age hated was like, me. Like fuck you. Yeah, man. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um and that was also around the same time that I uh Oh, no, actually, it was a little bit before. When I was drawing these comics of Casey because I started going out with that guy who was yeah. older than me. Mm-hmm. Um, but so anyway, the comics became a thing where I draw them in the first half of the day at school so that I could bring them out and show them to my lunch crew. <laughs> and they looked forward to it. They'd be like, where's your comic? Did you draw your comic today? Mm-hmm. And so I think I had drawn like 25 episodes. Mm-hmm. So it was like over 25 days I drew these comics until I kind of ran out of ideas, basically. Sure. Random shit to talk. Yeah. But um, but I still have those comics. I found them have in my mom's them into garage. Not yet, but that is a great idea. That is, I, I, I would buy that tomorrow. <laughs> I would buy that. <laughs> like weird, shitty, vindictive teenager mini comics? Take me to there. Yeah. So I, I did scan all of them. I brought them back from my mom's house and scanned all, all of them. Um, so that was my first comic. And then I really wanted to draw comics when I was in grad school at Pratt. And I wanted to draw comics about my boyfriend then, who was addicted to video games and just, like, had a lot of issues getting motivated for life. Mm -hmm. And had told me things like he was going to take all of his graduate school loans, drop out of school, and just play video games at his parents' house until the money ran out. Which isn't too far off which from, like, what actually wound up happening. He Mm -hmm. did finish school, but then then we broke up and he did wind up living in his parents' basement for three years playing video games. And (laughs) But anyway, we were in school together. I'd met him in my undergrad at UC Santa Cruz in the art department there, and we applied to graduate school together, which everyone thought was insane because at that point we'd only been together for, like, seven or eight months. Mm Mm-hmm. And went to Pratt together. Um, he did finish. It took him an extra semester. It took him an extra uh, quarter at Santa Cruz as well. <laughs> um, but he did get through it. And I wanted to draw these comics about it, and he forbid me. He said, you cannot draw this. You cannot draw this of me. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and actually, we wound up working together later on at Exhibit S at the gallery in Sacramento, he wound up moving out there too at the same mm. time as me because he had connections to Danny also from UC Santa Cruz. That was how we knew him of mm-hmm. Tapagami. 
And so he wound up being my artist assistant, actually. And really? Every, yeah, and everyone else's artist assistant, too. He was kind of like the studio bitch in some ways. <laughs> oh, shit. But he liked it. Like, yeah. it... It, it gave him something to be motivated about because he hadn't made anything in, in forever. I mean, sure. he'd spent the last three years playing video games in a basement. Yeah. So he was all up in that Call of Duty. Yeah, and he wasn't ready to work on his own stuff. So I think he really enjoyed working on other people's stuff. Mm. Um, and so during that time, I was like, oh, you want to see something funny? And I pulled out uh, this linoleum block I had started to carve, this relief print that I had been working on about our breakup that I had, had put away – um, and like not worked on for years, but I always had thought that it would be funny to finish it. I thought it was great. There was like uh, a clip of him. It was a com- it was a comic, but a linoleum print. Okay. And so there was a clip of him like punching the dresser drawer, being like, "I'm done," you know, which is like mm-hmm. what had really happened. And I thought this was so funny. And I showed him, I showed my ex, and he was like, "You need to throw this away now, or I will never talk to you ever again." Which he doesn't really talk to me now, so I guess I should have just kept it. But. Yeah. <laughs> but I did throw it away, which is sad. So has that <laughs> have, have you? Because you're with a fine young gentleman right now, and he seems very supportive of your art stuff. He even helped. I forget what convention we were at because we do so many of them. But you were at a convention, and he you came the next day, and you were like, "Hey, uh, my boyfriend helped me paint these paintings that I'm going to sell because I sold so many yesterday." Oh yeah, is he's- that. He's very supportive, although um, I think he's finally reached his breaking point with, with the comics I was drawing of him, which makes sense. There are some – okay, I'll tell you what happened. There was an incident, okay. actually. Um, um, and when we first started going out, I, you know, I told him, I want to draw comics about you, about us. This is what I do. And he was like, uh, okay, but just don't post them online. And I was like – but I have to post them online. I'm an artist. That's how people see my stuff, you mm-hmm. know. And he's like, okay, fine, but don't tag me. And I'm like, but if I don't tag you, your people won't see it. I get more <laughs> viewership if I tag you. And he's like, oh, all right, fine. And so he really, like, was, you know. He got dragged trying, into it. He got dragged into it. He was very supportive about it. There were certain ones I didn't post online that were very sexual. Mm-hmm. But then what happened was... After it was, I think it was after I went to his work company Christmas party. He works for Rasta Bus. I don't know what that and is. It's it a, sounds like it's a giant it's bus <laughs> with dreadlocks and there's like weed smoke coming out of it. Close. It's um, it's a, it's called Day in LA Tours as well. Oh yeah, I know what yeah. the fuck that is. Yeah, yeah. fuck those so, buses. So yeah, so he he gives uh, LA tours. Sure. They go all over LA. And the the com- the holiday party was a blast. I really connected with a bunch of his coworkers. He's in a really good company. They're a great company. And um, because they got to know me and they know my artist's name is Lady Beaver, they looked up my website afterward and saw the explicit comics of Harrison. And, of course, they all thought it was hilarious. So they screenshot it and sent it to Harrison. I think there's one of us that we just finished having sex and the cum drips out of me into my Uggs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes! It's called Ugg in My Uggs. And actually, Harrison titled it. (laughs) He came up with the title. But he was mortified. You know, his boss, his boss <laughs> sent him this image and yeah. was like, ha, ha, ha. And he was completely mortified. So um, recently he has asked me if he said he's told me it's totally fine if I keep drawing them, but please, he can't have them online anymore. And what that told me is it's time to move on to a new project, which is totally fine because I actually when I started drawing the Harrison comics and me, I really and Harrison is name is his name Harrison Brown, yeah, and he is a very funny comedian as well. 
Um, but when I first started drawing the comics, I knew that I wanted to to have a book. Like I really wanted to to make a series of zines until I had enough to publish a book. And I had already been asking myself, where is this going to end? And the last one that I had really drawn about him in the series was he shaves his beard off. And I'd even been thinking, oh, that's kind of a great ending. Mm-hmm. And so when he said that, I was like, okay, yeah, no, it makes sense. It's fine. So I actually wasn't even that upset about it. It's, it's almost more of a, kind of a relief in some ways to know that I can move on to another project now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have... A million of them. So. <laughs> how many, uh, How many? like when you're mapping that out in your head, I mean, it sounds like you just arrived at it very organically where you, real life dictated like, maybe it's the time to stop. And you're like, oh yeah, I got to a stopping point. But are there other points where you're like, oh, maybe this could be an ending or that could be an ending. And then you kind of push through and then you maybe you take some of those out because you're like, oh, you know what? Those didn't work so well. Well, it's interesting. In terms of your like writing process and yeah. something that's a cohesive whole. Well, it's interesting because I actually feel like the Harrison comics are the first cohesive story that I've had. Um, I have all my comics posted on my website, and if you're Facebook friends with me too, you'll see them under... What is your website? You should plug it right now. www.ladybeaver.com. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so it's titled under comic blog. And the way that it started, and this is actually how I officially started drawing the comics, like, for real, for real, later on. My 12-year-old cousin, over the summer, was like, do you want to see my comic journal? I draw a comic every day. And I look in her comic journal, and she literally has every single page of this journal filled with a comic, and they're good, too. They're they're amazing. I'm so about this. And Have I, you helped her print them into things? No, but that's a great idea. It needs to happen. I want to she, buy those. She's brilliant. She's like this brilliant artist. She's now um, 16. Does she live so here in is, L.A.? Uh, no, she's in Connecticut. Oh, damn it. I was yeah. going to be like, why doesn't she come to the conventions and stuff with us? Oh, my God. She's so amazing. She's so brilliant. So, um, so anyway, I saw this and I was like, if a 12-year-old can do it, I can do it. And I actually first started drawing comics every day. Just mm. documenting my life every day. And I did that for 80 straight days, and then I felt like I was losing my mind because <laughs> it was a lot of responsibility. And so I just – I was like, you know what? I'm just going to back off. And I was even debating at that time stopping altogether. And then I had a bunch of friends be like, please, no, don't stop drawing the comics. We love them. And that really encouraged me, and I kept doing it. Pro- about once a week mm-hmm. I would draw a new comic from then on. And that's been going on now for – I think it's been five years. Wow. Um, so, so yeah, the comic blog, you can actually go all the way back to the very beginning. The first comic I drew in the series is about this terrible roommate I had named Joe, um, and just how everything I did annoyed him. It didn't matter what it was. So like if I, if he gave me a ride and I shut his car door, he's like, don't slam my car door. Don't sing in the car. You know, anytime he'd be like, so how was your day at school? And I'd start telling him, he'd be like, God, you gossip about everything. It's like, you just <laughs> asked me. I, like, I can't say anything right. So that was my first one was about him. And then it, you know, I've documented in a, another entire relationship in my comics over the years. I dated this polyamorous guy named Jeff in Oakland who, fun fact now, uh, is married and has twins. Yes. <laughs> is he still poly? Um, he says that they're monogamish, 
Mm. But I'm guessing now that the twins are here, because I asked them right after they got married. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm guessing now that the twins are here, they're pretty monogamous right mm-hmm. now. I would. I mean, who the fuck has time for anything when you have twins, exactly. let alone multiple partners? They also moved to Reno together from Oakland because uh, he got a teaching job out there. So mm-hmm. I don't think he knows too many people, although he's pretty good at finding people on OkCupid. That's a talent of his. <laughs> <laughs> or fucking Craigslist, man. Yeah. I mean, I feel like... Even when I'm not in, like, the weird, backward, dark, seedy parts of Craigslist, there's still bizarre-ass ads, like, looking for a dude. Right. Just a dude. Oh, he wanted us to, uh, he looked up cuckold fantasy type that He wanted another guy to come and fuck me in front of him. Get and it. him to watch it. Like, Did it happen? Uh... Actually, kind of, yeah, but not from yes. Craigslist. <laughs> yes, and we weren't Get allowed it. to have sex uh, because he like had these weird. He put like weird boundaries on stuff. But wait, which which guy put boundaries on stuff? Your partner? my ex. Yeah. yeah, he wouldn't let me and this other guy. Like basically, I had a friend who who was into the like dungeon scene and just like really he. Um, He's pansexual. Okay. He'll do anything. Sure. He's yeah. super into everything. I believe they call that no fucks given zone. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and he had just moved to Oakland from Arizona where there was like no scene. Yeah. And um, he was There's like. no anything in Arizona. Yeah. <laughs> it's and, terrible. And so he was really excited to be living in the Bay Area. He started volunteering at a dungeon. And I had told him, you know what? My boyfriend is looking to have a threesome. And I think you'd be the perfect person because you're not like threatening it was very important that he not be a threat from your perspective or from from his he didn't want me to fall in love with someone else although like our relationship was full of double standards you know and anything that dudes are like that he was allowed yeah yeah um but so but yeah so we did actually have a few play dates Mm. but then it just turned into me doing all the work and i was like this is lame. Like, there was this one moment where I'm giving him both hand jobs, and I'm like, what am I do? What am I getting out of this? Yeah. <laughs> like, uh. like, I don't know. It was, you know, it, part of it is, is empowering because you feel like you have all this attention. Mm-hmm. You know, like, all the attention's directed at you. And, and uh, my friend wanted to do stuff to my ex, but my ex wasn't into it. Mm. Um, and so that was kind of a bummer. I think if they had been able to do stuff, it would have been okay. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but, yeah, I don't know. It just turned into... To really me doing all the work to pleasure them instead of the other way around. And I was like, all right. And and then my ex started to get jealous. Yeah. Say, like, why are you kissing him so much? You don't kiss me as much as him. I'm like, you are tripping. But are, you, uh, is that, are we sure that that dude was Polly? Because he sounds like he was just... According to our couples therapist that we went to for a year, mm-hmm. um, no, he's not Polly. But if he heard me say that, he'd be very upset. Yeah. Because I feel like, <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not trying to cast judgment on anybody. I think whatever you're into is cool. But that dude sounds like he wasn't into what was happening. No, and I mean... You know, it was during a really kind of experimental time in my life, too, with sexuality because I'd just gotten out of that a five-year relationship. I wound up being with the video game addicted guy for mm-hmm. five years mm-hmm. and um, moved into this new place. And then I wound up hooking up with my roommate who turned out to be the polyamorous guy. Didn't think it was a big deal because, oh, he's polyamorous. So yeah, yeah. And doesn't then you matter. come to find out. That we're in love. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah. And that I'm stuck now in this weird situation and 
I was like, well, okay, no, I can make this work because I'm not ready to be in a relationship yet. So I can date other people and date them too. But then, yeah, I fell in love with him and I didn't want to date anyone else. And Mm -hmm. then we went to therapy and our therapist said that we needed to have a strong foundation of monogamy before we could build that trust to open things back up. And I was like, all right, I'm willing to try it. But his problem was he was never able to be monogamous. He kept cheating on me and Mm -hmm. then telling me about it later. It'd come Mm -hmm. out like six months later. Oh, yeah, I hooked up with that person. I hooked up with that person. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, really, at the end of the day, it was square peg, round hole with Mm -hmm. that guy. Like, we were just... Compl- and you made comments about all that stuff? Yes. Um, a lot. There was a lot of stuff I wasn't allowed to make comics of with him also. Um, well, I think you should go back and fucking Star Wars Special Edition that shit. Then. I know. I've thought about it. I've thought about it because there's a lot of stories there that are just crazy. I mean, even if you just opened up with you giving two dudes a hand job with a thought balloon, it's like, what am I getting out of this? Yeah. I mean, I, I would read the fuck out of that. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I think it would be. I think it would be okay now. Um, I w- obviously wouldn't tag him. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I do think there's a lot. There's a lot of juice. I have a lot of uh, fuel yeah, for yeah. these comics in my head. <laughs> a lot of experience. So yeah. So um, yeah, with Harrison, you know, I understand my my current boyfriend. I understand him not wanting to me to put some of the stuff in comics. He felt like his life was on blast, you know. Yeah. And but yeah, he's been very supportive and um he actually helped design my business cards. He has a really good sense of design, mm. so it's like I have this over-detailed brain where I think about everything like I just love detail. So I'll detail the fuck out of stuff and mm-hmm. then so doing very simple basic design can sometimes be hard. It's so. funny, I I did that in college. I made com like daily like uh, mini comics about my life and my girlfriend at the time and blah 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 the same things you're talking about kind of the areas in which people are probably a little bit more reticent to share and uh, I made a comic about me (laughs) I made a comic about me getting my first blowjob which was in a drainage tunnel and (laughs) and and somebody read the mini comic and came up to me afterwards and was like, whatever happened to this girl? And I was like, oh, actually, we're kind of still dating. I should probably, uh, I should probably move on. <laughs> and that's how, kind of how, similar to your kind of like, oh, I think this is time to put this project aside. That's kind of how I realized, oh, don't put this person aside. I think I wish you just not. I think it's done. I mean, it's not the first time that someone's gotten really pissed at me for drawing me in a comic. I mean... I've lost friends over these comics. Mm-hmm. People hate me because of these comics. Um, there was this girl, Tori, that we're actually Facebook friends now, but she she's fucking insane. She's like <laughs> one of the most insane people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, but she's extremely inspiring. I mean, she was my muse for a long time and actually uh, we almost wound up hooking up and there was all this weird drama around that too she basically was the one who got cold feet Mm. about it um and i did an entire art series i was actually she lived in santa cruz i lived in oakland we met on birthright israel which is yeah (laughs) free trip to israel for jewish youth yeah yeah. um and it was an art themed trip it was all artists on that trip which Mm. was amazing so uh anyway later on we both didn't have cars at the time so we would take the bus to go visit each other and we'd have these really fun kind of art-filled weekends together. Uh, 
I but, picture I picture art filled weekends as code for like you know the movie Ghost where he appears yeah. behind her and there's like sculpting <laughs> pottery. That's what I picture. Well, she filmed me in a music video one time, okay. um, which is called Baboon Hearted Bum. I have some music videos that yes. are like really silly. If yeah, you yeah. go deep into my Lady Beaver website, you can find that stuff. And I have a YouTube channel too, Lady Beaver. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so we were always we were always doing some type of art. Thing or something to inspire our art making. She was an artist too, so. Um, but uh, oh, what was I going to say? There's so many, so many things I could say about her. She, she, so she was dating this this lawyer who was a public. It was a public defender for her against her current boyfriend who had pressed charges against her because she pushed him and he called the cops on her and she was taken to jail and was in jail for three days. And her public defender put, her, put his hand on her leg and he was like, you know, most couples don't get through this. And then they wound up hooking up in his car and she got fucking pregnant. Oh and, my God. and she wound up dating. She had an abortion. And I drew a comic about the abortion, actually. Sure. It was one of the comics. And she was okay with it for some reason. I don't know how she was. But other but, comics that you made about her, she wasn't okay. Yeah. Other comics I did, she lost her shit about. Um, and just, yeah, just hated me for it. But And then there was this one particular weekend. So after she had the abortion and her and the lawyer guy decided that they were now going to have an open relationship, um, she told me that she wanted to hook up with me. And I was like, just starting to go out with Jeff, the polyamorous guy. And I was like, oh, well, perfect. You can be my secondary partner. And so I was taking the bus to go visit her in Santa Cruz. It was all set to happen. And then I'm on the bus and she texts me that she doesn't want to see me. And it's like, I'm already on this bus, but luckily I had all my art supplies with me, so I just went to a cafe and I drew for eight hours straight and worked on this art series that was then in an art show, actually in Sacramento, uh, like years before I ever lived there. Um, But it was totally inspired by her, and it was called Space Travel, and it was all about like being separated through space and time, doing long-distance relationships and all the things that happen you know, when you're doing that. So, yeah, she was definitely very inspiring. I got a lot of material from her, for sure. She's crazy. (laughs) Do you you ever feel a sense of um, responsibility to either to make something or to not make something? Like if, you know, like you said, like if... If you're if the employer for Ganja Bus Enterprises or whatever the shit the company that your boyfriend works for, if if that company was a little bit more conservative and maybe didn't appreciate the fact that they was come running down your leg into an UG, right? Potentially that could have had ramifications for his life, um, and then that theoretically would have been on you, right? Like, right. Do you have? So this is where the censorship comes in and boundaries come in. Um, that's why not all the comics that I would like to exist about my polyamorous ex exist because we developed a policy which was any comic I made had to be okay with him. So I had to talk to him about every comic I was going to make with him in it first. And then he was okay with it because he felt like if he was in on the joke – then it wasn't a joke at him. He's, mm-hmm. he's in on it. But there were definitely certain topics that were off the table. Couldn't do it. And that was to protect my relationship. I mean, he was ready to break up with me if I posted one of my comics. He told me, I, if you post that, I will break up with you. Now, after we broke up, I did post it because mm-hmm. I had drawn you were like, it. I was like, fuck it. Fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, it's the, same, it's the same way. If I want to protect my relationships then I need to respect the people. But, for, but, for, that, but, but that kind of yeah. answers the, the question, though, in, in terms of it's not about kind of a preventative measure for you. It's about maintaining a status quo. Like, you don't... For you, it's about, no, this is the... 
unadulterated, pure expression of whatever this idea is. And whoever gets hurt gets hurt. It doesn't matter because the idea is what's important. Whereas some people, not really me, but some people would be like, you know, you should have a social conscious about how the things that you make affect the people around you. Yeah, I'd, I definitely push the envelope as far as I can. Mm-hmm. I definitely do. Um, you know, there was one time where my sister Megan, I drew her in a comic, and she called me up at 2 in the morning, was screaming at me, threatened to get me fired from my teaching job. She was so upset about this comic that she couldn't sleep, and it was driving her insane. So she called me and drove me insane. What was, the, was it something that was really bad, or was it just like you made a drawing I of her that had a big nose, and she was like, my nose isn't that big, damn I, it! I didn't think it was that bad, but what had happened, and somehow it got lost in translation. So... I used to have a drawing night in Tom Franco's gallery in Berkeley, the Firehouse North Gallery. He has a few galleries over there. Um, and Tom Franco is the brother of James Franco, just to put it in some the context. The other Franco, yeah, not yeah. Davy Franco. Yeah, not, not Davy. Uh, Tom is the middle child, okay. and he is a trip. Like, he makes this amazing art, and he actually, I think, was in some kind of, like, improv dance troupe for a while. Oh, thank fuck. And That's he, all I needed. Yeah. <laughs> and he does this... Um, this art group called CoLab, mm-hmm. uh, which is him making art with a bunch of his friends, basically. Okay. They're just making art together. Mm-hmm. But yeah, he's great. He's super great. And um, I hosted a drawing night in his gallery uh, for four years and once a week. And it was a way to get people involved from the community, to, like, you know, to have gallery hours. Um, but that actually wound up becoming my main comic drawing night, actually. Oh, really? It was every time I had that drawing night. Yeah. So I wasn't allowed to leave until I had finished my comic. That was, that mm. was the deal. Um, <laughs> what was I talking about? <laughs> you were, I, asked you, I asked why she, what, what, what pissed off the, the... Oh, right, right. So when I was in the gallery, a lot of the time, so I'd be drawing with my friends, and my sister Megan is just really funny. So I'd put her on speakerphone, and she'd kind of be our entertainment She'd like kind of do a stand-up routine just to us in the mm-hmm. gallery. Mm-hmm. And so I, I number all of my comics so I know how many I've done. Um, and so this happened to be the 100th comic that mm-hmm. I was drawing in this comic blog series. And so I said, Megan, what should I draw for my 100th blog? And she starts saying all this shit, like just saying the craziest, funniest stuff. And I'm writing it all down as she's saying it. But I don't think she realized that I was going to take what she said and directly translate it onto the page. Like, I literally wrote down everything she said. Was, the, and, was she dropping, like, N-bombs and shit? You no, know, like... she said, uh, if you haven't met my sister, you'd recognize her by her lips, and I'm not talking about the ones on her face. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> gotcha. Um, oh, sorry. Um, so, so, yeah, so she said all this risque funny stuff uh-huh. I thought it was hilarious so it's just the comic is just her face saying this stuff mm. that's it mm-hmm. and um, and then and it, her Facebook profile picture is what I drew her from mm-hmm. so it matched her profile picture exactly mm. and I tagged her and then she freaked out and she was like you're gonna get me fired from my job this is so fucked up how could you do this and um I had made my comic blog album private so that you had to be a friend to see it. So I was like, don't worry about it. You're tripping out. Like, it's not a big deal. And it's still private now. The only way to see all the comics and see the X-rated ones also is on my website. And there is an 18 or over content advisory warning that you have to click on to get in mm-hmm. as well. 
Um, so that way my ass is protected in case a student ever does find it. I could be like, what are their parents letting them go on a website where it says 18 mm-hmm. or over or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, she she lost it. And she was really, really, really mad at me. So that was like the second person who got mad at me. So it was like my sister, that girl, Tori, uh, my ex, Jeff, threatened to break up with me. You know, my boyfriend, Harrison, now has said, like, now it's too much. You can't deal with it anymore. So people definitely have a tolerance yeah. for how much they can take. Um, but I feel very, very lucky with Harrison that um, I was able to draw as much as I did you know, and how supportive he was of me when I was doing it. Mm-hmm. You know, I understand that I reached this threshold and now he's done. I, I get it. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's funny, too, listening to you talk because a lot of it uh, is you talking about your online presence, which is funny because I know you from the convention circuit and from here at Meltdown and from the zines that you print. How do you – where does that fit into your kind of – self-identification like do you think of yourself as like a web cartoonist or do you think of yourself as someone who publishes stuff like reprints stuff that you put online or do you think of someone who makes zines or how do you self-define it's really it's it's always a hard question because i do so many things i've always done so many things right now i've shortened what i do on my business card to just artist slash performer because i do comedy as well Mm -hmm. um art former if you will yeah i mean but but i you know, I write music. I write music. Um, I do musical comedy. I wasn't even aware it was musical comedy. I thought I was just writing music that happened to be funny. Mm-hmm. But then I realized later, oh, I actually do comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And same with the comics. Sorry, I drew comics, but and I, I've always done comedy and things that have made me laugh. But I never realized that I was a quote unquote comedian. Right. You know. Yeah. Um, which is something I've embraced since moving to LA because there's such a vibrant comedy community here. Mm-hmm. Um, but. Uh, you know, I grew up doing theater. I, I love to dance. Uh, I'm an avid Zumba enthusiast. I actually have my, oh my Zumba God. certification. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. I want to walk by one of those fucking Zumba things that are by my house now and just see you fucking go into town. I've in danced Zumba in the window of the Firehouse North Gallery, actually, for two different oh, openings that God. we had there. Thank God. <laughs> um... So, yeah, so I dance, I sing, I make my own music videos, I edit my videos, I draw, I have my master's degree in printmaking. So, um, you know, so I, I have my background in printmaking, I draw, I paint, I'm, um, I consider myself to be a fine artist too. I just had work, uh, it's still on display right now at the Hive Gallery downtown, mm-hmm. the opening was just Saturday for Line Attack, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. Um, and so, it's interesting. If I really had to describe m- myself to somebody else that has existed in the world, I would say Salvador Dali, only because he did it all. He was a public pers- persona, like everyone knew who he was. Mm-hmm. He dabbled in video. He did fine art. You know, he was funny. Mm-hmm. You know, and his stuff was really sexual as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I happen to think that sex is really funny. And you just love drawing melting clocks. That's like <laughs> you just love melting clocks. He was my first favorite artist. Really? Um, yeah, my favorite artist now is Keith Haring. Mm-hmm. I really love. You're Keith wearing Herring. a Keith Haring sweater yeah. right now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but but yeah, Salvador Dali. When I I remember when I was a kid and I saw his images, I was just like, what? This mm-hmm. is awesome, you know. Those, but it's funny, though, because those influences are pretty disparate. Like, they're pretty far, uh, as far as artistic rendering goes, they're pretty on opposite ends of the spectrum. 
and content wise too. What do you what do you like about both of them? Other well, than just the spectacle of Dolly. Yeah. Um, well, with Salvador Dolly, I really liked that element of kind of imagination and fantasy things that how he could take everyday elements but then put them in other types of contexts and make up these fantastical worlds full of objects and characters that you kind of recognize but they don't really exist in reality Mm -hmm. and actually a lot of my undergraduate work is very much that it's um it's these very surreal landscapes of characters and uh things happening that were very organic. And this is kind of where Keith Haring comes in. So in undergrad, I always started drawing without a plan. So, and when you draw in printmaking, it's like, you know, when you're doing an etching, Mm -hmm. you are drawing with a needle on a surface of a copper plate. So Mm -hmm. I would not have a plan. I'd start drawing and I'd let the drawing kind of draw me. And that's Keith Haring. Mm -hmm. Keith Haring never had a plan. He just went for it. Mm -hmm. And, um... The thing I really like about Keith Haring, too, besides that, is he's really into visual symbols Mm -hmm. that kind of define him where, you know, you recognize Keith Haring's artwork anywhere because Mm -hmm. you recognize his – the people that he does, his UFOs, the dog figures, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I think that creating a visual vocabulary of images is really important. Mm-hmm. As an artist, you know, and it's another type of self-portrait or a way that people recognize your work or things that, you know, it's almost like your default. It's yeah. like your I mean, go-to. I, I mean, I relate to that. Absolutely. I mean, I have the same thing. I draw, you know, black dudes with high top fades, robot arms, puffer jackets. <laughs> right. Like it's, yeah. Yeah. You absolutely. have symbols that yeah. you relate to. Yeah. Yeah. So all of um, my, well, all of my symbols are basically fuck Arizona. Like fuck all those white people. Fuck the people that were wearing trucker hats. Fuck the guys with ICP shirts. Like fuck all that noise. <laughs> what are you, what are your symbols mean um so my last name is Lipkiss. my real last name is Lipkiss. so careful I, careful yeah. <laughs> motherfucker's gonna track you down now um and so i i very much identify with lips mm-hmm. so um i have a few drawings where it's like different animal creatures but then lips instead of heads hmm. they just have lips and um also i went through a really big phase to uh drawing a lot of animals, uh, personified animals, animals as people. Anthropomorphic. Yeah, because Mm -hmm. I was giving a different perspective on human behavior Mm -hmm. through animals. So I remember in undergrad, the first piece that I did that was kind of like that were these two squirrels. One was wearing a business suit and carrying a briefcase. Mm -hmm. And it's just kind of making fun of people. It's like, you know, we're animals too. People are animals too, and we forget that. And how funny is it that we all wear clothes, mm-hmm. you know? And so mm-hmm. I just think, you know, animals wearing clothes is funny to me. Like the way that that people make their animals more human oh, yeah, is totally. funny to me. And the weird connection between where someone owns a pet and then the pet starts looking like them or vice right. versa. That's a really weird symbiotic yeah. relationship too. Yeah. Ugh. Ugh. And um, and so sometimes I would sexualize animal characters as well, and it's kind of like, oh, you think this sex this is sexy, but what's wrong with you if you're looking at a walrus with tits and you think yes. it's sexy? You yeah, know? yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I definitely went through through a phase of that as well, and so animals are always, you know, significant and in the background because, yeah, they're always just they're just funny. Yeah. It's funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's see, what other visual symbols do I have? Well, of course, now the beaver. But when I was in undergrad, um, I used to draw myself as a pug a lot, actually. Mm. The pug dog was my first 
real pseudo mask. Yeah, um, and the reason why is because um, my mom had always told us stories when I was a kid about how my dad made her give her pug away when they got married. <laughs> And then when I was in middle school, right before they got divorced, she we went to the mall and held this pug like three days in a row. And then finally she bought it. <laughs> and then my parents were divorced like, you know, yeah. six months later or something. And it really was like she took back the power mm-hmm. in the relationship. Mm. And um, so it became a symbol. The pug was a symbol of power. And. Even, Always embrace your inner pug. Yes. And even now, when I see someone walking a pug on the street, I feel like it's a sign from God smiling at me that everything is all right in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> That's really awesome. That's really awesome. I hope it is. I hope it is. And I think that everyone, if they don't, should have a power animal, mm-hmm. you know, an animal that makes them happy, that they can think about, that has kind of the same effect on them, that when they see, it gets them really excited about life. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah, that orangutan. Fuck yes. So now it's kind of, you know, transitioned into the beaver because I'm Lady Beaver. Right. Um, but I will always have a love for pugs. And they're like one of my favorite things to draw as well. <laughs> uh, I think segueing a little bit, uh, I'd like to talk with you about uh, the convention circuit here in Los Angeles, how you got into it, and if you have tips for people who do DIY stuff and how to do the convention stuff. Well, I really, really have to credit Steve Waldinger for finally getting me out and doing it because doing cons is something I wanted to do for years. Uh, The first con that I ever went to was the Alternative Press Press Expo, APE. Mm -hmm. This was when it was in San Francisco. I think it's now in San Jose. Mm and I was just, I just started drawing comics, you know, my comic blog. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, my God, these people are doing what I'm doing. I'm doing this stuff. But they just staple it into these booklets. Mm-hmm. I can do this. And um, so the next year, it was my goal, the next year to go to Ape and have my own zines and just bring them and trade with the other vendors. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly what I did. And I got so many comics. There were so many people that were willing to trade with me, and it felt so good. And I went home that night, and I drew every single vendor that had traded zines with me, and then I tagged them all. I like, <laughs> add them on social media and tagged all of them, and it just felt so good. I was like, I have all these new friends. And it's interesting because artists that I, that I met at that ape that I, like, talked to and was inspired by their comics, like, I will see them now at cons. And it's like, wow, you really inspired me, man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And now look at me. Now we're equals. (laughs) So, um, but basically what had happened was I took this storytelling class at the Nerdist with Steve Waldinger. And then he told me about the Malthology Drawing Night. And so we have a project that we do called Comic Prov because he's a writer. He doesn't draw. Mm -hmm. So... He asked me if I would draw images first, and then he could fill in the word bubbles do afterward. The old, do the old Stan Lee. Yeah, it's, and it's so fun. So it's all without a plan. So it's like comic improv or comic Mad Libs. Mm-hmm. And it's just super fun. We've been doing it for a year. And then um, about, oh, how long ago was that? It was like four months ago maybe? Um, Steve said, do you want to do Long Beach Comic Expo? Mm. Do you want to do a con and bring Comic Prov to the con? To the masses. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And it's You've only been doing cons for four months? Yeah. I see you everywhere. Isn't that amazing? That's, I'm, that's so because awesome. It's so I'm so addictive. happy. It's so addictive. It, it really fucking is. Yeah. It really is. So, also, just on a side note, has, have, has Ape opened up registration this year? 
I, I don't know. I don't think they have. Anyway, continue. I'm sorry. That was just me trying to <laughs> thinking out loud because I want to do it. Well, we did it last year and I want to do it again. This oh, year. I would love to be an ape because that was my first inspiration you come. con. You should come with us. Yeah, that would be fun. Anyway, continue. Um, so, okay. So Steve and I do this first con and this is actually where my advice piece comes in to somebody who wants to do a con but is afraid. Mm-hmm. Get someone to share a table with. That's mm-hmm. it. That's mm-hmm. all you need. You just need one person to share a table with and then you're costs cut in half you have a support person you know you have someone to mm-hmm. you know metaphorically hold your hand as you literally also help you set up the table and ex- break it down and yeah. exactly and and watch your car while one person loads in or whatever yeah. you know mm-hmm. it's such a huge help or watch your table while you go to the bathroom yep. like it's amazing it's so helpful having that support person um and you know Steve, for himself, like he's had, he has one other comic book that he's done where he's written and, and actually hired an illustrator to illustrate it for him. Mm-hmm. Which is? But, uh, it's George W. Bush Vampire Hunter. Fuck yeah, it is. <laughs> I just wanted you to say it. That's yeah. <laughs> um, and apparently, George W. Bush is as good of a vampire hunter as he is at being a president. Not surprising. Right. So, um, but yeah, so. That was his only comic besides our comic prop zine that we mm-hmm. put together from all of our mm-hmm. episodes of Melthology. So even if you only have one or two things, you can still table at a con. Oh, yeah. And so I, I just want to encourage people who are curious about it to, to, to just do it. Because then what happens is you go and do it. You meet all these amazing people, which is how I met you. Mm-hmm. And you're amazing. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and... You realize that you're part of this community, that you've found your calling, you found your friends. And then and you can make other stuff. Yeah, and, you and you're inspired things. to make stuff. Mm-hmm. You really are. And people give you ideas. People talk to you about your stuff. Mm-hmm. They're very supportive. Um, you know, for there's like maybe one or two people that like random people, not other um, people vending. Yeah. yeah. Like. People who are just like talk shit, make you feel bad, but that's just people being shit. Every people. once in a while, yeah, but that shit's so it's so rare, few though. and far between. It's rare. So, yeah. so yeah. So for people who are afraid, know that there's going to be like a couple of those ugly ducklings, but just like you know, brush yeah. it off. It's not a big deal. Um, they have their own issues, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's you know, it really lit a fire up under me and Steve. Um, and then we, you know, we started doing, I mean, before the first con we did, we talked about doing the comic prov live. And so that's what we start. we did at Long Beach Comic Expo for the first time. So I actually made a banner that explained what it is that we were doing. Mm-hmm. And the way it works is someone comes up, we take their photo and we ask them if there's anything that they're interested in that they want to be in the comics. So, you know, one girl was like, I love unicorns and rainbows. I was like, okay, great. So then I just draw something with her image, her, her photo in it, mm-hmm. and then something with unicorns and rainbows, and I pass it off to Steve, and he comes up with the story. And then people leave with their one-page comic you know, personalized comic. And how cool is that? Yeah. You know? And do they, do they pay for that or do you guys just do it? Yeah, we do it for $10. Um, when we first started, it's so funny. Um, we didn't think some people would be willing to pay $10. So we actually made a half off sign and we're doing it for only five. (laughs) 
which is so ridiculous now because now that we're doing them, they really do take kind of a long time to do. Yeah, yeah. Because I have to draw out the whole thing and, and then, then he, he has, has to, to write. write. Yeah. So, you know, they take about guys, half an do you hour, guys scan I'd say. Them or take photos of all of them? We've been taking photos of all of them, and that's the next thing I was going to say. Now we're going to have a zine coming out of all the live comic props Fuck we've yeah. done. That's great. So it's really, really cool. And um, I. I recently started, so I met this other person at doing these conventions, uh, Russell. Do you know Russell's last name? Nolte. Yes, yes, Russell Nolte. He gave me some great advice. And that's the other thing about doing cons. You meet these people that give you such great advice. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, you should have a MailChimp email and tell people when your events are going to be. Mm-hmm. Well, so I did. I started that. And because of that... Um, on free comic book day last Saturday, Steve and I were set up at alternate universe doing free comic prop comics for people. One person actually came just because of my MailChimp email. And I was like, oh my God, it's working. (laughs) Slowly but surely, slowly but surely taking this bitch over. It's amazing. And I had a friend years ago tell me that I should have like an art email list that I send out but it was only until I did the cons that then I actually started to do these things yeah figure out yeah so and then the other thing is just doing one con gets the ball rolling because when you do one there's like these local convention people that are always looking for people to do their their local conventions yeah which nine times out of ten are super shitty but every once in a while are like the greatest things ever. yeah and you know even though local conventions can be slow and you know you wind up making maybe 30 bucks at the end of the day um the good thing about it is you are connecting with your community and yeah. it is an opportunity to meet other artists you yeah, know? i mean you know me i will literally table on the side of the street <laughs> like i give no fucks <laughs> I will table anywhere, any time of day, uh, so much so to the point where I've actually been trying to convince people to come with me to uh, Union Station on a Saturday and oh, just wow. set up tables at Union Station and just oh, be like, yeah. wait for the cops to kick us the fuck out. Um, that's amazing. So, yeah, well, I'm, I will include you in that dialogue now, too, because that's yeah. one of the things I've been kind of fun. slowly but surely. I'm sure Steve would be down to do comic book yeah. drawings there. Fuck yeah. I mean, what's the downside? <laughs> we'll draw the cops when they come. Yeah, exactly. Get their own comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll get arrested. Local comic celebrity Dave Baker gets arrested for comic booking too hard. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, where can, where, what, do you want to say the, the name of your uh, blog again and where you're going to be maybe that people can come find you soon? Yeah, so we're doing the meet and zine in Ontario. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be there too. I believe that's the 21st. The 21st, okay. Yes. Um, and that's, yeah, in Ontario. Um, Ontario, California, not Ontario, Canada. I have, yeah, not Ontario, Canada. Um, I have a list, let's see. Um, June 3rd through 5th, I'm doing Califer, the furry convention. What? I'm so excited because I've never been to a furry convention. And because I've done animal-based art, people have accused me of being yeah, a yeah. furry. Damn which it. I want to go on that too now. It, I don't really have anything that would sell there, though. So, oh, no, I too, totally do. Never mind. I have, like, this series I did. I did 40 animal drawings for this gallery show called Fuzzy Wuzzy. Uh-huh. And I, they're just sitting in frames. And I just I, – at this, I, they were $40 at the show at this point. I'm going to sell them for 20 bucks a pop. Yeah. They're original drawings, framed. I just want to get rid of them. Like, totally. they're just taking up space underneath my bed now. So, you know, yeah, furry conventions, the perfect the f- place yeah, to get absolutely. rid of them. Yeah, absolutely. Fire sale, motherfuckers. Yeah. So then June 11th, Steve and I are doing Comic Prov at LA Cosplay Con, mm-hmm. which is an all-day event from, I think it's 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. Damn. Intense. Yeah. So, but that'll be fun. Um 
Then September 17th and 18th, we'll be at Long Beach Comic Con, mm-hmm. also doing Comic Con. I will be there as well. Nice. And then September 30th to October 2nd, we're doing Santa Clarita Valley Comic Con. Oh, word. Cool. So that's what's on the list for the moment. I also still have a list of different cons and um, art events from WonderCon that people told me about that I have yet to research. So that's on my to-do list. <laughs> you and both. It's a never-ending, <laughs> a never-ending struggle. Never-ending. Um, and I'm not going to be tabling in it, but Wheaton Con is this weekend. I oh, think yeah, I yeah. might go and just be a patron see, and check, check it out. out. Yeah. See if it's worth doing next year. Yeah. I feel like our stuff would go over really well there because, you know, we make comics about girls having problems and doing girl stuff. And I think that that would sync up well with people who like Joss Whedon because he writes female protagonists all the time. Um, but I have no idea if anybody that's there is going to want anything other than Buffy. Right. That's what I'm wondering, too. So so that's also, I think, a good piece of advice for people who are getting their toes wet in the comic scene. You know, go go to these conventions and check it out as a patron and mm-hmm. see if it's something you'd want to do for the next year. Absolutely. And then, like, make something to have there for the next year, yep. you know? Absolutely. Um, and the year passes by way faster than you would think. Oh, God. Don't talk about it. <laughs> Word. Say your uh, website um, one more time. Yes. Yeah, so ladybeaver.com is my website. At ladybeaver is my Instagram. And lady underscore beaver is my Twitter, which is basically just stuff for my Instagram. Yeah. So. I've been trying to be better about that, too, and like actually put shit on Twitter that's on not Twitter. just fucking photos from Instagram. <laughs> yeah. It's just a, such a fucking deluge, man. It's like... And then I I I do have a Lady Beaver Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So if you yeah a fan page. So if you if you go on there, um, I will post the shows and things that I'm doing as well. Cool. Well, thanks for being on the show. Thank you for having me. Yay! Yay! (laughs) Word. Beaver out. (laughs) Mic drop. Zing, 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 zing,